Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to take a minute just to say Happy Mother's Day. I know Mother's Day can actually be a little bit of a tricky thing um, to know how to how to acknowledge and celebrate in a church because it's sometimes a hard day for a lot of people. But at the same time, we also want to celebrate and acknowledge the mothers and grandmothers and wives and sisters and aunts and the women who have played a role in our lives. And so if you're here visiting your, I see some moms visiting their children. I think there might be children visiting their mothers this morning. So we want to welcome you here. And um, yeah, throughout this day, let's take time to um, acknowledge the, the role of mothers, whether that's your actual mother or someone who's played that role in your life. Um, happy Mother's Day. And, and Katie, really, like, thank you for those flowers. They're beautiful. Um, as always, throughout the sermon, you're going to see passages of scripture up on the screen. Um, but I really want to encourage you to bring your Bible along when you come to church on Sundays. I, As Travis was reading, I heard some pages rustling, and that made me happy. Um, we live in a time and a place where everything is made pretty easy and convenient for us. And there are many, many reasons why we can be thankful for that. But in some areas, it's made us lazy. And I think one of these areas that we've become lazy is in reading and studying scripture. Um, One awesome thing that's happening in our kids' ministry is that Kelly has been asking our children to bring their Bibles along on Sundays so that at the age of three, they can already start familiarizing themselves with scripture, learning the books of the Bible and how to find passages, reading, reading and studying God's word together, and realizing that it's through the act of reading and studying the words in this book that we learn more about who God is and how to follow him. Um, rather than let Kelly and our kids do this on our own, let's model for them what it looks like to be a people committed to opening our Bibles and reading scripture together. Um, We will continue to put scripture up on the screens in our services, but again, I want to encourage you to bring your physical Bible along and take the time during the service to open your Bible and briefly look at the verses around what's being um, read in the passage and put it in its proper context. Um, If you have trouble quickly flipping through and finding the passages we're looking at, then I challenge you to take Uh, take some time to memorize the books of the Bible and become more familiar with it. Get in the habit of opening your Bibles and reading for yourselves what it says. Um, If you're here this morning and you don't actually have your own Bible, come talk to me and we'll we'll get one for you. Uh, One unique aspect of our Mennonite brethren heritage is that we believe in the importance of reading and interpreting scripture together in the context of community. Rather than having one leader interpret scripture for the entire body, we believe this happens best in the context of community, and and we can most accurately study and interpret God's word when we do it together. So take the time to read the passages that we're looking at on Sundays, both during the service and at home. Um, I've been so blessed by those of you who have come to me during the week to engage with one of the points made in a sermon or a verse or passage that we've looked at. And I really 
believe that it's this biblical interaction between brothers and sisters in Christ as together we read and understand scripture, learning about our God who loves us and brings us into relationship with him and then calls us as his partners in his redeeming work in the world. It's as we, as we read and study together that this shifts us into becoming his disciples, his followers in every part of our lives. Um, our MB Confession of Faith says that as we get to know God as revealed in the Bible, we develop convictions about the kind of people we want to be. As we come to understand scriptures, we come to care deeply about a daily, moment-by-moment obedience to God. And isn't that the truth? As we read scripture, we learn more about who this living God that we serve is and the things he holds close to his heart. And as we read and study, we become a transformed people, learning to care for the things that God cares for and allowing our hearts to be broken by the things that break his heart and working to bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. All of that to say, bring your Bibles along on Sundays. (laughs) Um, And let's view this time in our weekly service, the sermon, as us together unpacking what Scripture says and discerning his words together as a family. So since February now, we've been working our way through the Old Testament book of Exodus. So you can turn to Exodus. Exodus 19 is where we're looking today. Um, And as we've looked at Israel's journey to freedom, at God's relentless pursuit of his people, sometimes quietly working behind the scenes in ways that weren't immediately apparent, and sometimes miraculously shaking the earth by commanding all aspects of nature, um, one thing that I've been struck by is the overwhelming love and all-consuming power of the living God that we serve. Because just like God relentlessly pursued his people so long ago, we see this same humble, yet powerful and relentless love through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who made the way for us to have freedom even today. But just like the Israelites back then, it can be all too easy for us to be hard-hearted and stubborn in the face of God's powerful work, forgetting about all of the big-picture blessings and freedom that God has given, and instead grumbling and complaining at every turn. Praise God that our Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love, reminding us again and again that he is our God and we are his people. Up until now, this story in Exodus has all been about the physical act of freeing God's people, their miraculous journey out of captivity in Egypt and into freedom. But it's here that we start seeing a shift in Israel and in their story. God is going to take them from being a freed people in the desert to becoming a nation that is empowered to respond to his generous and faithful care and then become a light to the world around them. And this is done through God's covenant, through God who is always loving and always faithful, saying to a people whom he knows will turn away again and again, I love you and I call you mine. But that's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. So at this point in the story, Israel, 
They are no longer in Egypt, no longer oppressed by their captors and forced into slave labor. And yet, in a very real way, we see that their understanding of who they are, how they view themselves, has not yet caught up with their physical reality of freedom. They're not yet a formed and free nation. They are very much still just a group of slaves wandering in the desert. And so we read here that at the start of their third month as a free people, they've been out of Egypt for two months now, we read this beautiful and awesome interaction that they have with God who takes the time to speak words of truth and healing over his children. He sees them in their brokenness, in their state of still being bound up in their minds as slaves, and he calls out their true identity. He says to them in in verses 4 to 6, he says, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you fully obey me, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession." Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are my words. There's so much rich and beautiful imagery that God uses here. God is saying, you saw for yourselves what I did in Egypt, all the miracles and wonders I performed to show you and teach you and remind you that I am Yahweh, that the most powerful gods and pharaohs that you had known are nothing next to me. You saw me control the universe and bring its chaos back into order. You saw me split the sea so you could walk to freedom on dry ground, never having to fear your captors again. You yourselves saw how like a mother eagle, I tenderly caring for her young as they leave the nest, I carried you and brought you to myself, brought you close to my own heart. So far, you've only known what it means to live under a vicious slave master who wore you down and oppressed you, who tore your young right out of your arms and gave you no hope for a future apart from the brutal work forced upon you day after day. But I'm not like that. Let me be your loving master. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. As my people who live in obedience to me and obey my covenant, you will be set apart from other nations, and out of all of my creation, out of the whole earth, you will be mine, and I will treasure you. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy people, a people set apart and dedicated. These are beautiful and healing words of truth and identity spoken over a broken people who, although physically free, were still so far from seeing themselves as anything other than what they had been, what others had forced on them. They were so far from seeing themselves as anything other than slaves. Have you ever had one of those moments or times in your own life For your sake, I hope that you haven't, that you haven't experienced that sort of negative interaction um, or pushback that messes with your head and fills you with self-doubt, hindering your ability to move forward confidently as the person God knit you together to be, causing you to stumble as you try to live faithfully into the plans and purposes that God prepared in advance for you to do. Um, If you have had one of those, those shaking experiences... Um, then I hope that you've had people in your life to speak words of healing and truth. Please know that you are loved and treasured. 
Um, In my own life, I've been both the recipient and the giver of healing words of truth. I've been blessed to have good and strong people in my life that God brought along and used at just the right moments to affirm and encourage me, helping me discern clearly God's voice and thoughts, grounding my identity in Christ alone rather than being dragged down by the voices of others. Um, I've also been blessed to have played that role in the lives of others, helping people work through experiences and interactions they've had that stop them from seeing the truth of who God created them to be, letting them know that they are loved and valued, calling out the gifts and strengths that God gave to them, and providing a safe place for them to grow. We need to recognize that words have power. (laughs) In the book of James, the author likens the tongue to the rudder of a ship, such a small piece of the ship, and yet it has the power to control which way the ship will go, to the right or to the left, to this destination or to that, or to a spark. Again, something so small, and yet a single spark can burn a whole mighty forest to the ground. James says in James 3, verses 9 to 12, he says that with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, And with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Words have power. And here we see, too, that words reveal what's truly in our hearts. We can be either people who speak words of life, recognizing the image of God in those we meet and calling it out, helping others uncover the truth and strength of who they are in Christ, or we can be people who tear others down, binding them up as slaves and binding ourselves up in the process, too. We can be one or the other, but we cannot be both. Our words have power, and they reveal what is in our heart. As individuals and as a community, as a family, let's be the people who speak words of truth and life. Let's recognize that our story, each one of us, is similar to Israel's. We were all slaves in our minds to the ways of this world and brought to freedom through the work of Jesus Christ, who came not to condemn the world, but to, but to give us life and life to the full. This is the hope for all of his creation. So let's be the ones who hear God's words of love and identity for ourselves, becoming the new creation that he wants us to be, and then sharing those words of love and identity and healing over others. Let's be the ones who show people the image of who God created them to be. Maybe they're still slaves bound up in their minds and their reality. But let's be the ones who show them that they can be more. That God's message to them is that they are treasured possessions, brought near to God if they're willing. And then they too can become a new creation. So God speaks these words of life over his broken, still bound up people. And even though there's still so much unknown about the way before them and what it will mean for them to be God's people— They hear God's loving words that replace the image they have of themselves as slaves. And with this new image of them being treasured and valued and 
called out from all the earth as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And, and their response with one voice all together, they respond and say, yes, that's what we want. We will step out of our past and become those people. The old has gone and the new has come. In Exodus 19, verse 8, we read that the people all responded together. We will do everything that the Lord has said. I love this. Um, Some commentators debate what exactly the people were declaring and agreeing to here, picking apart the entire interaction, but I just think it is so beautiful. God is showing them who he is and who he's called them to be, and those words of truth and healing and identity awakens something inside of God's children. They can see a different future for themselves, and they say, yes, that is what we want. We will do everything that you say. Um, So far, in Exodus, um, we've seen that God has always spoken to his children through Moses. God speaks to Moses, and Moses passes on the message to the people he leads, God's children. But here in verse 9, the Lord says to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Um, Moses learned how to discern and hear God's voice, how to follow God's lead and use his own voice to speak God's words for the people. This started for him when he stepped off of his regular path to take a closer look at a a bush that was burning but not somehow not consumed, And, and he met God in that burning bush, and he recognized God's presence and work around him. Um, And his ability to hear God's voice was honed as he took up God's call to lead his people. Even though Moses knew what it meant to be in God's presence, he knew how to hear the voice of God and follow it. The people he led had not yet experienced the power of being in God's presence, of standing before their living God. And interestingly enough, I don't actually think this is because God's presence hadn't been offered to them. Remember that God's physical presence had been traveling with them this entire two months in the form of a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. And to be honest, I I really, I scratch my head sometimes because I don't understand how they could be so quick to forget every time that it's God, all-powerful Yahweh, who is leading them and walking with them when they can physically see him right there in front of him, leading the way and following behind them, making sure that no one gets left behind. But here we read that God is going to change that. So in the same way that Moses was told to take off his shoes as he entered into God's holy presence at the burning bush, God instructs Moses to prepare his people, to consecrate them, prepare them to enter into a sacred space with their God. And so for three days, they wash their clothes and they get ready. They follow the instructions. I I mean, you can imagine that after two months of camping in the wilderness, things were not quite up to their normal standards. Um, So they prepare themselves and Moses tries to mentally prepare them for what they're about to experience. And then we read again in Exodus, on the morning of, that, of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled, but then, then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. 
Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like, a, like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Wow, what a powerful and breathtaking interaction. To be honest, as I was preparing, I contemplated stopping right there because I truly believe that God's presence is here with us now in the same powerful way, not with physical smoke and thunder and trumpet blasts, but God is here all around us. And a very appropriate response to that is to stop and worship and just be in his presence. And as I was preparing and writing this sermon, that's exactly what I did. Um, But I also sensed that, that not everyone here, that together as a church family, we're not quite ready to be able to experience the presence of our living God in this way. And that just like Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, maybe our journey out of the camp to meet with God will take a bit of time. And in a little bit, we're going to look at their response and see that, in fact, maybe they weren't ready for it either. Um, but please don't make the mistake of thinking that God doesn't want to make his living presence known to us today, because he does. The Holy Spirit is active and alive in the world today. And when we pray, we aren't just speaking words into the air. We are communing with the God of the universe whose spirit lives inside of us and who wants to speak and make himself known to us in a very real way. The God who pursued his children and made himself known to them back then is pursuing his children, pursuing us still today so that he can be known so that he can make us free, releasing us from the lies that have held us in captivity for so long, nurturing us like a mother eagle, bringing us close to his heart, treasuring us as his own, and making us into a kingdom of priests, each one having the right to stand before his holy presence because of the lengths that he went to to bring us here. And maybe you're thinking, but Sabrina, this is Old Testament. This was God's word specifically to Israel as they came out of Egypt. This isn't God's word to us today. But if we flip in our Bibles to 1 Peter, um, if you're looking for it, it's right near the back. So in 1 Peter, we see that the early church very much used this passage, this interaction that God has with his children coming out of Egypt to shape their identity. So Peter writes, you are a chosen people. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 10. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Called out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And standing in his wonderful light, in the presence of the holy living God, who gives us a new identity, takes us from the obscurity of not being a people, and making us his very own treasured possession— The most appropriate response is to bow down and worship him in full obedience, giving our whole lives to him. 
Next week, we'll take a deeper look at the law that God gives to Moses and his people um, as part of the covenant that he makes with them, the response that he asks of his people. Remember that God said, if you obey me and keep my covenant, then you will be my treasured possession. So I I won't linger on the law here for too long because I don't want to detract from this interaction between God and his people and their response to him. But what we call the Ten Commandments are recorded right here as part of this beautiful and powerful and holy interaction that God has with Moses and his people. And this reminds us of the importance of recognizing that God's grace and mercy and love are always the preface for our obedience. God's law is not meant to bind us up as slaves, but to bring us freedom. And our obedience comes as a response to his presence and love in our lives. The law of Moses can be seen as cumbersome and burdensome, all of these rules to follow. And in the New Testament, we see that the law has become exactly that. At the hands of the teachers and rulers of the law, it became almost impossible for people to come to God because of the legalism that cropped up with it. But with so much wisdom, Jesus draws out what's important when he says that the most important commandment in the law is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the most important thing that God asks of us. And the second most important thing Jesus points out is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God and love others. In, his, in this holy and powerful interaction that God has with his people, in which they are for the first time truly experiencing his physical presence, God is highlighting that they are his called out people, his children, his family. And in response to the freedom and healing that he's offering to them, they are to love him with everything that they are. And they are to love and care for others. All Ten of the commandments given here are for the purpose of first loving God fully and truly and then loving others. And again, we'll, we'll unpack the law and the fullness of that um, a bit more next week, but let's look here at the people's response to this interaction. The people have gotten a glimpse of the power and presence of God, the same power and presence that led them out of Egypt And is giving them freedom. And here's how they respond in verses 18 to 21. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has only come to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. The people see God's presence all around them and they're afraid. To be honest, that's probably an understandable emotion to have in this moment when you meet God who is so much bigger than anything you can comprehend, who causes the mountains to tremble, but rather than allowing God to speak to them in that moment and call them further into his holy and healing presence, they step back. They say, Moses, this is too much. We can't handle this intimacy with God. Please, you speak to us and we'll listen to you, but don't make us stand close to listen to God himself. 
And although Moses tries to reassure them and they, that they do belong there with him at the foot of the mountain, experiencing the fullness of God's presence alongside him, they stay back. And so Moses goes forward to God on behalf of his people alone. And I can't help but be just a little bit heartbroken over this missed opportunity for God's children. God will still do powerful work in and through them. They hear his words of healing and love and become a transformed people. They are no longer slaves, but are being built together as God's people, a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. The world will be blessed through them. And the Messiah will come from their midst to bring salvation to all people. But if you've read through scripture, you know that this all comes at quite the price to both Israel and to God. There are times when God's people get it and follow him closely, but there are just as many times when they forget about who their God is and how to walk in victory and freedom. And maybe it's not helpful for us to wonder what would have happened if rather than step back from God's presence in this moment, they would have bowed down right there at the foot of the mountain and welcomed it, allowing worship and awe to fill their hearts and come from their lips for them to learn to recognize and become familiar with God's presence and voice themselves. But a question that I think it is important and helpful for us to ask is how will we respond when we enter into God's presence? God's love is real, and it is true. His presence is all around us. Will you step back in fear, or will you bow down in worship? learning to hear his voice and follow his lead, giving him what he's deserved by offering your life, every part of who you are, to him. Yeah, bow with me in prayer. Father, we, I, I don't really even know what words to, to give to you right now, to pray for you, how to cry out to you. But God... I acknowledge your presence here around us. You are here. You are active. You are a living God who who desires to interact with your creation. And God, you know each one of my brothers and sisters here. You know my own heart, God. You know the extent to which we understand and have experienced and allowed you to show us your presence. And so for each one of us, God, I pray that as we, yeah, as we experience you, we wouldn't step back, but we would step forward and follow your lead, that we would bow down, that we would worship you. Because it's only when we walk and follow you, when we hear your voice and allow you to speak words of truth and identity and healing over us that, that, that we truly can walk in freedom. And so, so God, I pray for, for anyone here who is still bound up by experiences in the past, by sin, by any, any of those things that, that hold them back from, from following you. God, I pray that even in this moment that, that you would speak, that you would speak your words of truth and healing, that, that rather than step back from you, that, that 
they would have the courage to, to bow down and worship you and allow you to work in their lives. And, and God, I, I pray for us as a community, as a family, as your children. I pray that, that as we seek you and follow your lead, that you really would make us a light to the world around us, that we would share the good news of, of freedom in you with, with the world. And yeah, so in a, in a very real way, I just ask that you would meet us where we're at right now, that we would be aware of your presence, that you would open our eyes, open our ears, let us be the ones who see and hear the things that you're doing and saying. And to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.